no mina dear i can't help crying and you must excuse this letter being all blotted being proposed to is all very nice and all that sort of thing but it isn't at all a happy thing when you have to see a poor fellow whom you know loves you honestly going away and looking all broken-hearted and to know that no matter what he may say at the moment you are passing out of his life my dear i must stop here at present i feel so miserable though i am so happy evening arthur has just gone and i feel in better spirits than when i left off so i can go on telling you about the day well my dear number two came after lunch he is such a nice fellow an american from texas and he looks so young and so fresh that it seems almost impossible that he has been to so many places and has such adventures i sympathize with poor desdemona when she had such a stream poured in her ear even by a black man i suppose that we women are such cowards that we think a man will save us from fears and we marry him i know now what i would do if i were a man and wanted to make a girl love me no i don't for there was mr morris telling us his stories and arthur never told any and yet my dear i am somewhat previous mr quincy p morris found me alone it seems that a man always does find a girl alone no he doesn't for arthur tried twice to make a chance and i helping him all i could i am not ashamed to say it now i must tell you beforehand that mr morris doesn't always speak slang that is to say he never does so to strangers or before them for he is really well educated and has exquisite manners but he found out that it amused me to hear him talk american slang and whenever i was present and there was no one to be shocked he said such funny things i am afraid my dear he has to invent it all for it fits exactly into whatever else he has to say but this is a way slang has i do not know myself if i shall ever speak slang i do not know if arthur likes it as i have never heard him use any as yet well mr morris sat down beside me and looked as happy and jolly as he could but i could see all the same that he was very nervous he took my hand in his and said ever so sweetly miss lucy I know I ain't good enough to regulate the fixins of your little shoes, but I guess if you wait till you find a man that is, you will go join them seven young women with the lamps when you quit. Won't you just hitch up alongside of me and let us go down the long road together, driving in double harness? Well, he did look so good-humored and so jolly that it didn't seem half so hard to refuse him as it did poor Dr. Seward. So I said, as lightly as I could, that I did not know anything of hitching, and that I wasn't broken to harness at all yet. Then he said that he had spoken in a light manner, and he hoped that if he had made a mistake in doing so on so grave, so momentous an occasion for him, I would forgive him. He really did look serious when he was saying it, and I couldn't help feeling a sort of exultation that he was number two in one day. And then, my dear, before I could say a word, he began pouring out a perfect torrent of love-making, laying his very heart and soul at my feet. He looked so earnest over it that I shall never again think that a man must be playful always, and never earnest, because he is merry at times. I suppose he saw something in my face which checked him, for he suddenly stopped, and said with a sort of manly fervor that I could have loved him, for if I had been free. "'Lucy, you are an honest-hearted girl, I know.' I should not be here speaking to you as I am now if I did not believe you clean grit, right through to the very depths of your soul. Tell me, like one good fellow to another, is there anyone else that you care for? And if there is, I'll never trouble you a hair's breadth again, but will be, if you will let me, a very faithful friend. 